Chapter 4 It begins with violence. No cause, no reason, no explanation. She just is. The bad I am. Back in college, I drew the first page in a single panel. Violence leaping over a grayscale city roofline in her sex monster superhero outfit, a gaudy splash of color in the darkness. Her purple-black leotard was French-cut with deep, deep v-neck, outlined in silver to suggest the letter. It was like Superman's S, but with her boobs spilling out of it. Long, wicked knives were strapped to her naked thighs above her boot tops. Her crazy purple hair blew behind her, becoming jagged strands of black lightning where it overlapped the big round moon. Her grin showed teeth that were oh so faintly pointy. I saw my style emerging in that opener. It was in the way the light bounced the frenzied female body over a static background, the use of a limited color palette to pull the gaze right where I wanted it. Once I had left for the airport and gotten out of Birmingham, I spun the image of violence in my head. I could do this drive to Birchville on autopilot because I had been down on this road at least twice a year since I was six months old and my mom moved me to Virginia. Birchie hired me paid for the move and for mom to go to Old Dominion University. It was the last thing Birchie wanted, to move the only grandchild she would ever have farther away from, but mom wasn't from Birchville. She'd grown up near Jackson's Gap. She'd met my dad at a Dairy Queen right after high school in the first summer of her lives, where labels labels like cheerleader and nerd had lost their power. They fell in love and married fast and young, the way small-town people often did. After he died, mom wanted a fresh start. Birchie made it happen, so mom and I gave her all her, all my childhood summers and my Thanksgiving Thanksgivings in perpetuity. I usually liked this drive. It was a low-traffic four-lane that shot through nowhere, Alabama, on the way to my specific piece for it. I could drive it in a state of mind that was a little like twilight sleep where the pictures formed and shifted. I wanted to think about anything but Birchie's health. I was so angry with myself, so worried, and I wouldn't know how bad it truly was until I got there. I kept my mind's eye fixed on that first image of violence, trying to see how she had come to be so I could write the prequel, the one I hadn't started yet. I was used to working creatively to deadline, but in collaboration as a part of a team. Plus, my teams had access to deep histories and intricate worlds that had been invented by other teams of people years ago. V in V was different. It was the first and last thing I'd done that was wholly mine. I had to remember how to work alone, while gestating a still secret human. Also alone. While finding out what had gone so bad with my Birchie and deciding what to do about it while supporting Rachel long distance as her marriage imploded, which which was like attempting to cuddle a cat who didn't want to be picked up and the cat was now three states away. I had to try though. I was the only person on the planet who even knew Rachel was in trouble, except of course for Lavender, who was barely speaking to me. My niece was a hunchy thread of palpitating blonde misery behind me, Her face pointed decidedly away out of the window. I had gotten nothing but sore nods and shrugs and one-word answers ever since I had picked her up and her ridiculous Louis Vuitton 
three-piece luggage set at Rachel's early this morning. She was so tiny that I wondered she should be in the front seat. She hadn't asked though. She had just gotten in and Rachel had said nothing. Lavender was heading into eighth grade and Rachel must have finally lost the you have to be a hundred pounds argument. Lavender has been born so premature that she might never be a hundred pounds. Lord, if we got into this wreck, this airbag might as well kill her. Her head was the size of a little cantaloupe. Her hands looked like doll hands folded under her brand new breasts that were pushing at her t-shirt. I'm glad you are with me, I told her, and it was mostly a lie. Usually I liked traveling with Lavender, who was into manga and magic the gathering and could use words like hood and worse, correctly in the sense, in a sentence. I made up for it by saying an immediate truth, and sometimes it, it's good to get away from home. Maybe got a trip to Paris, Lavender said. It was the longest sentence she'd said all day. You'd rather be in Paris? Me too, babe. It sounded lovely, actually, skipping off to eat meringues and macaroons and wander the Louvre with my usually delightful niece. In we go straight to Paris world, Virtue was healthy and hale, walking with Miss Watty to the fruit stand to pinch test the tomatoes. Well, I don't like to be in Alabama, Lavender said. Maya's grandma took her for two weeks and when she got home, everything was done already. What was done? I asked. Even as the stupid question fell out of my stupid mouth, I regretted it. Ah, the stuff for the divorce, Lavender said, taking the huge bank of kudzu as we were passing through the ride. Maya got off the plane and only her mom was there to pick her up. Her dad was waiting to meet them at the scoopery. They bought her a death by chocolate sundae, even though her mom was always like, sugar is the devil. Her dad had moved to an apartment already. Her mom had packed half of her stuff to go in her new bedroom. It was like, here, this happened, live with it and have this ice cream because we think you're either five or stupid. Now she had about a million pimples because her dad lets her eat whatever she wants on weekends to piss her mom off. Her mom is never home because she is dating every creep. There is one on J-date, which grows. And her dad's girlfriend moved in and she is like 26, which is even grosser. Maya already tried pot and she dyed her hair green and she hates everyone. We are not even friends anymore because she hangs out with the burners. The saddest part was how flat she said it. Like it, like this was regular and now it was just eventually her turn. Up until now, she had been so protected. She hadn't known that no, but no one grew up without collecting dings and broken edges. I hated standing witness to this first hard blow. Hated hearing the shiver and crack of her faith. Lavender, this is not going to happen to you, I said. I couldn't stop her hurting, but I wouldn't let it ruin her. Not if I could help it. I'm not going to smoke pot and get pimples, Lavender said. Our mom and dad aren't, going to, aren't getting a divorce. She knew the answer to the second question already. In fact, better than what I did. She didn't want to hear my answer anyway. She turned her face to the window, popped her earbuds in, Jacking up the music on her phone so loud that I could hear the teeny whisper of some pop boy wailing in some falsetto about love. I took a cleansing breath, refocused on violence, suspended in mid-leap over the cityscape. She is looking down, grinning at her savage grin. There was only one word on the whole first page, written in a small white square to show the violence's first thought. 
not dialogue. Hello. She's seen Violet trick trotting through the narrow trash strewn alleyway below. In the second panel, and in every panel where Violet was seen through Violence's eyes, her footsteps leave a trail of flowers and vines and butterflies and yearning baby rabbits. It was a little embarrassing to remember what exactly uber pretty and pure I'd made my avatar, Violence, who has landed on the rooftop now and looks right at her and thinks, you are a living sunbeam in this black and filthy place. On the next page, shapes rise out of shadows and collapse into a gang that follows Violet. Well, I was young and hurting enough to turn one sad, selfish JJ into a pack of evil boys bent on mayhem, violence watching them stalk the living embodiment of my own innocence down in alley things. Like any light in darkness, you attract. She follows the gang, slithering along, along the roofline. The shadow boys call out to Violet. She speeds up, looking for a way back into a busy street, a lighted store. But she had taken a wrong turn. The alley dead ends and the boys encircle her, blocking much of the yellow light. She holds her purse out in front of her, as if they want something so simple, so easily abandoned as a purse. Her eyes were full of tears that have not spilled yet. Nothing has been spilled yet. From her porch, violence watches, and through her eyes, the boys were hunchbacked and long-snouted, more hyena than human. She starts creeping down the wall behind them. Your light had called these fatal children and something worse. One boy bats the purse to the ground and another one knocks Violet's head off. A third grabs at her shoulder, snapping the strap of the sunrise with a ping. Your light has called me. Violence falls to her knees. As she covers her eyes with her hands, Violence comes to the ground behind them. The snicking of her long knives being drawn gets to their attention. Then it is all carnage, because this is what violence brings. She tears and bites and slices, making bad boys into broken heaps and pieces. Live, scrap of sunshine, live to warm me. As violence swarms back, the, back up the alley wall, she takes one last look over her shoulder. Violence kneels in a fresh-made apertor with her hands covering the eyes, seen but not seeing. The baby rabbits hide in her skirts. Her sundress is a red and a yellow Rorschach test. A frightened songbird on her shoulder holds the broken strap to keep her covered. By the time Violet takes her hands away, violence was gone, but not entirely. Her colors, her shadow and its shapes haunt the margins of the frame until the next time Violet meanders into jeopardy. I flip back to the beginning in my mind's eye. There, violence says that Violet's light called her. What if she was lying? What if she was simply wrong? Did Violence know her origin story? This was an interesting question. And I felt a little spark. Spark of story starting. What if... Is that food baby? Or, or, or are you pregnant? Lavender asked, pulling me out into my dirty alley, landing my butt hard back, hard back into the rental car. I was so startled that I turned towards her. Jerking the wheel sideways. Our tires hit the rough tread on the shoulder of the highway, then I realized I had been steering with one hand. The other, in its brand new mother hand, had moved on its own, volition to the bottom curve of my belly. It defined Digby, small ballooning in its own decided little pooch in front of me. 
I had to face front and grab the wheel with both hands to drag the car onto its proper course, but not before I saw that Lavender looked as startled as I felt. Oh my god, are you? Lavender said, almost a squawk. She pulled her earbuds out. I was totally kidding. My, felt, my face felt so hot. I wanted very badly to say, Haha, you're right. I'm fondling my abdomen purely out of spicy sandwich-related reasons. But I was already 16 weeks gone. In an, another month or so, Digby would tell the truth for me. Plus, I had a long-standing policy of not BSing Lavender. It was one of the reasons that we were, we were so close. Are you really pregnant? She asked again, insistent. A little bit, I said. I risked a sidelong peep at her, and to my surprise, her hands were balls into fists in her lap and tears of fury had welled up into her eyes. No one tells me anything, you, you, she said. You all just do what you want, you grown-ups. You do what you want, all secret. I never know important stuff unless I happen to find it out by, by accident. Oh, honey, I said, instantly softened, because this was not about me, much less Dick B. Not at all. I don't know what's going on with your mom and dad, and I do know they both love you. She snorted at that, and I asked her, Do you want to talk about it? Lord, how I did. I wanted to know what Lavender knew. Sunday afternoon, Rachel had gone upstairs and taken Lavender into her room. She'd come out half an hour later, but I was on the phone with Birchie. By then, I'd heard and read enough eyewitness fish fry accounts to convince me that I had to get down to virtual ASAP. I'd called Birchie directly to tell her that I was coming. While, Ra while Rachel sat in the wreckage of her dining room, calmly booting up her laptop, I blattered into Birchie's soft mm-hmms and what is palpable silence. I should be there Tuesday at the latest. I was hating the speakerphone. I felt my words thinning and flattening as they fell out of the other end, as if they were landing in an echoing black canyon instead of a genteel living room with damask curtains and twin Victorian love seats. No need for such a fuss, Birchie said. We are fine here, Leah, what he added, which was what a blatant woofer that stole my breath for a second. I'm glad to hear you're fine, Watty, I said, my voice gone sharp. But she never would have been able to hide her failing mind for so long without Watty's help. And now they both sounded truculent, unsorry and dismissive, like they'd simply been naughty babies hiding chocolate. Are you both just fine? But she answered. Her tone mild, almost chatty. Well, what his needs have been a bother for her, I can tell you that. I hardly knew what to respond. Maybe she was so deep into the badlands of her brain that she had already forgotten what had happened. Maybe she, she, she was being southern lady genteel about the brand new late unpleasantness that she had started down the first Baptist. I needed to see her to know. As soon as the connection closed, I called my parents. Rachel looked up pricing flights and rental cars for me when she heard me say, Hey mom, pausing to listen to my, the first half of my conversation. It's a lot for you to do alone, mom said when I got in her. Do you think I should go with you? No, I said near instantly. My mother had a strong sense of what was right and what was expected, but her presence would only make things harder. She and Birchie had, hadn't been closed since mom remarried. Birchie hadn't objected to the reunion. My father had been gone more than three years then. The rift came because my mom wanted to change the name, change my name and let Keith adopt me. Mom thought I would 
feel like the odd girl out growing growing up as Leah Birch Briggs while she became Clara Simpson. Birch fought her bitterly and it caused a lifelong coolness between them. After that, when mom brought me down to my summer, she didn't stay the way she had when I was a baby. Now that I have grown, I was glad Birch had won. I would have been an odd girl out by any name, a super nerd who stood 5 foot nothing and had the Briggs's pale skin and the birch's d- dark hair and light blue eyes my tall wispy mother looked like the mom who would come in the box set with keith and rachel they were all long boned and honey skinned and slim and none of them had ever seen a single episode of xena i got this mom i told her my grandmother's illness was birch business and my mother didn't have a place in it and anyway rachel is helping me book My stepsister was instantly on her feet, waving her hands back and forth to get my attention, shaking her head no. I stopped talking, puzzled, and mom said, "Rachel, I thought she had a stomach bug." I remembered as I remembered that Rachel had canceled lunch. "Yeah, but I called her anyway. You know, Rachel, she's probably finding fight, you know, flights from the bathroom floor." Rachel gave me a thumbs up and sat down in front of the laptop. I got off on the phone thinking how weird it was to be on the side of on this side of the racial soil neither of us were ready to spring our life changing family news on our shared parents but I knew about Jake and Rachel did not knew about Jigby did not know about Jigby uh, Digby it was an odd reversal as I came up behind her thinking I should encourage her to get support from Keith and mom I saw she had put away a second one way ticket in her delta shopping cart It was made out for Lavender Mary Jacobi. Absolutely not, I said. But Rachel talked over me. Leah, you'll have hands full there. You'll need a helper, she said, as if she was doing me a favor. It'll even be fun for Lavender, that big old attic of furniture and letters and oh, the clothes. I used to be so jealous seeing your summer pictures playing dress up with real flapper gowns, bustles, poodle skirts and that wedding dress. Yeah, when I was 9, I said. By the time I was Lavender's age, the attic seemed like a great place to get heat stroke and spider bites. I missed JJ's Super Nintendo so much that Bertie drove into Mont- Montgomery and brought me one to ensure I stayed through July. Rachel spent her own teen summers with Keith's parents down in Myrtle Beach, getting blonder and browner in her bikini, decorously French kissing every cute boy in South Carolina. No 13-year-old dreams of a vacation down in Birchville, Alabama. and i need to focus on birchy yes exactly rachel agreed but you have to decide what to store and what gets packed for goodwill you are awful at that sort of thing i don't know if i'm going to close down i began but rachel interrupted me yes you do as she spoke she she kept right on typing lavender's birth date and home address into delta as if it was already decided i'm sorry but you do you have to move birchy here to assisted living you already put this off longer than you should have She needs more care than she she can get in an Eastern Jesus Alabama. Maybe so, but Bertie will have Bertie will have her own op- opinions. I said an understatement so enormous I was surprised it didn't get stuck and smother me on my way out of my mouth. You have to be firm. At a certain point, you have to take charge of things. With your grandmother, that point came years ago. Now she was choosing two side by side seats on the plane diagram. 
first class which was ridiculous a thousand extra bucks for the hot towel some leg room and free cocktails that digby wouldn't let me drink lavender can help you she's naturally an organizer it was true that rachel's genetic legacy was visible in lavender's alphabet alphabetized by author's bookshelf and color color coded sweater drawers but rachel had never seen the birch ancestral home in person there were 150 years of history in that house most of it in the form of junk and that had been stuffed and stacked and piled up in the attic it would take four strong men a week to make a dent in it lavender would no more be useful than sergeant stripes the feral cat who lived in the backyard and i started to i started to say so but rachel talked over me that that frees me up to find places for birchy to tour here the nicest facilities all have monsters waiting list i hope you know but i can get her in almost anywhere she likes people all over this town owe me favors i think she still saw a big fat no on my face because she stopped typing looked up at me and please and and added please leia i need room i need some room to think right now please that stopped my refusal cold hl was asking me for help unprecedented though she had been shoveling her own unstoppable help at me for 35 years now even back in freaking preschool she helped me color one of my first memories was lechel whispering people are in green people are like this while she peeling while she was peeling an electric lime lime crayola off my fist and replacing it with flesh as an adult she'd help me choose everything from cars to christmas trees to lip gloss she'd bully me into surviving after jj screwed me over even though she didn't know what was wrong with me jj was so socially beneath her that she'd barely noticed his presence much less his absence all she knew was i stopped eating and washing my hair even my wonder woman comics piled and piled up under it she'd stepped in telling me if i didn't get out of my bed i would murder she forced march me to soup and salad with her friends and dragged me to watch her current boyfriend do this special sports ball things when i saw blank eyed through these events she changed tactics suffering through men in black and the fifth element and even a teeny local star trek con anything she thought might spark my interest she'd done my color chart too claiming that going off to college required a makeover then to keith's visa and brought me a slew of spring colored scarves to rectify my stark winter wardrobe just get some pink or the turquoise up around your face she told me and the engage and the most enraging thing was with the spring colors by my face damn it all that if i did not look fresher and bright eyed less broken anyway 20 years later i was still winding a funky scarf in the correct colors around my neck elevating my uniform black top bootcut jeans and chucks into an actual outfit her genuinely good intentions coupled with the self assured rightness made the helping both exasperated and impossible to turn down what had i done to help her back nothing she never let anybody help her even in this in those rare occasions when rachel allowed a virus to get through a cloud of vitamins she kept her freezer stocked with frozen quarts of homemade chicken soup she made out of organic bone broth and whatever root vegetables have those most antioxidants or whatever well there's no harm in finding places for birchy to tour but only if they have two bedroom units 
Watty and Birchie will likely to want to stay together. I have to give them that option, I told her. Digging out my Amex, Rachel was on the payment page already. And Flyers coach, those seats are big enough to hold two lavenders. She hesitated, eyeing my Digby-inspired larger ass. She noticed when I put on few pounds and would give me fruit baskets and yoga class cards until my jeans got roomy again. She reached for her purse and I knew this move as well. She was about to get out her own credit card and pay to put, put me where she wanted me. Do you want to take lav or not? Fine, I'll put you, put you back in steerage. She said and she even used my card. Now here we are, Lavender and me, both under different kinds of Rachel Fluid Duress. Me with my best guess idea of what had happened between her parents. I don't want to talk about it, Lavender said. No one ever talks to me about anything and why should I talk to you? You're as bad as, a, as, bad as them, running around all secret pregnant. And I'm this dumb kid who gets to find out last or never. Her hands were shaking. She was that angry, that helpless in the face of whatever was happening to the fam- to her family. Lav, I said softly, you're not the last to know, okay? You're the first, unless you count doctors. I hadn't told a living soul I'm pregnant. That gave her pause, and she asked me, Grandma and Grandpa don't know? Mom doesn't know? No, she, they don't. And I would like to be the one to tell her, them, everyone, in my own time, if you don't mind. I said and looked over to meet her eyes and so she would know how serious I was. She nodded, solemn, and I looked looked back on the road. After a minute, Lavender asked, What about like uh, the dad, the dad of the baby, does he know? She was calmer and that was good, but oh, what a complicated question. Instead of answering directly, I told her, the father is not going to be involved. But does he know? Lavender asked, as persistent as her mother. I shook my head, wishing I had been 13 and stick my lip out and say, I don't want to talk about it. I didn't want to explain drunk and sketchy sexual decisions to a middle schooler who had yet to kiss a boy. I could feel Rachel as a sudden looming presence in my car, wanting me to tread very, very carefully here. Lavender looked up to me. It didn't help her. She was full of brand new estrogen and had just watched her own father storm, uh, storm out of the French front door with a whole food, whole foods bag full of socks and underpants, hormones and daddy issues, the classic recipe for pushing girls way too early into boys' arms. What does your mother tell you about sex? Oh my god, like nothing, Lavender said, flushing. I mean, she gave me a book about it, but she had, but she told me not to have it. That's excellent advice, I said. Reproduction works, Lav. It only takes once, and it can happen even if you think you're being careful. So, you went on like uh, this one date? Lavender asked. No, it wasn't like that. What kind of thing was it? A no-date thing, actually, and I couldn't remember his real name. I had a flash of Batman, a cocky grin under the cowl, his surprisingly well-muscled arms and shoulders. I'd assumed that definition had drawn onto the costume, and now I thought, a really, really hard thing. The thought same came so fast that I was already saying it. At last, I replaced the word hot in the outlawed version. A really, really stupid thing. Nice save. I didn't even cross my fingers on the steering wheel. I wasn't lying. It had been stupid. But, I was, but also, I couldn't help remembering. Plenty hot.
I want to know what happened. Nothing about this story was particularly 13-year-old appropriate, and sometimes the world wasn't. 13-year-olds still had to live in it and not be lied to. Even so, the spirit of Rachel was practically a force now. There was honest and there was too honest. If I would not lie, Rachel expected me to at least be a good object lesson. I was at a fan con in Atlanta and I had an awful day. So I went down to the bar, which was a bad idea. This guy came up and asked me if he could buy me a drink. What was his name? Lavender asked. Doesn't matter. What did he look like? Lavender asked, which was not entirely the point. I don't know. He was dressed as Batman, so I... Batman? Lavender interrupted. And then she snorted, almost laugh. You love Batman? Was he a cute Batman? I don't know. It doesn't matter, I said, I repeated. But a sidelong glance at her told me that I did. To her? Well, at least it was a question I could mostly answer. Mm, he was around my age, African-American, deep voice. He was black? You were having a black baby? Lavender interrupted again. It's half my baby, Lavender, so he'll be biracial. So I don't know what he'll look like or how he'll think of himself. God save me. She was staring at me, big-eyed and silent. What? God, Aunt Leah, you're just so cool. Rachel was going to murder me. No, 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 no. I'm not cool. I'm reckless. And I let feeling crappy let me lead me into a bad decision. For the record, it didn't make me feel better. Not strictly too, but in the morning I had been half dead of hangover, so it was true enough. He could have been a rapist or a psycho stalker, but I brought him right up to my room. He could have had a disease. I had to get tested for a bunch of crap, which was scary and embarrassing, and I still have to take yet another HIV test in a couple of months just to be safe. I was completely out of control, and now this baby, who I'm glad about, don't get me wrong, I'm going to love this kid, but love... My kid is going going to grow up with no father. This one hit her close, maybe too close. Maybe I shouldn't have said it. She looked away, swallowing. That's going to suck, not having a dad, she said. And I wasn't sure if she meant for the baby or for her, or maybe both. I backpedaled, picking a different model. When you drink too much, you make choices you might not make when you were sober. She rolled her eyes, accepting the subject change. They told us... At school. Well, I'm telling you again. It's easy to drink too much, especially when you're not used to it. Lavender nodded, very solemn. So you're saying I should start drinking as soon as possible and get used to it? She said it so earnestly that it took me half a beat to realize that she was trolling me. I smiled, relieved to see the sassy kid I knew was still there, under the unhappiness. Exactly. Birchville is in a dry county, otherwise I'd stop and get a sippy cup of bourbon. Especially for you, I turned us on to Main Street. Look, we are almost there. This is Birchville? Lavender made a face like she was smelling something less than savory. Up ahead, we could see Walgreens and Subway, across from the Tiger Gas and not to Auburn. Alabama fans gassed up in the shell. The edge of it, I said. You'll see downtown after this intersection. She sat up straighter, looking around as we passed Piggly Wiggly, sharing its parking lot with Movie Town. What is this place? You rent DVDs there. They also have tanning beds in the back, I said. In some ways, driving into Birchville was like 30, driving 30 years into the past. 
the streets lined with colors and concepts right out of 1987 that's freaky a lady on the corner is waving at us dot foster a sweet older woman who had the prayers and squares ministry at first baptist had spotted spotted the rental car i waved back and she hurried off the louis Ga- louis gaines house within minutes the entire town would know i had arrived dotting an unknown adolescent if no one remembered that i had a niece they would deploy a scout to drop by and to find out who lavender's people and provenance are in other ways driving into birchville was more like driving 130 years into the past all the way up to 19- 1887 i stopped at one of the three traffic lights studying lav as she tried studied my town she was past super pretty she was beautiful and true beauty always came with a healthy shock of odd part of it was she was so little in the nicu she looked like wrinkly purple apple with a few sticks attached everything below her neck wasted to bird bone, bones to protect her brain her body had never yet caught up she was my height but built to scale so that in pictures where she stood alone she looked lanky and tall her face was wider than it was long with huge eyes sunk deep and raised a sculpted cheekbones her nose was a small sharp jab over a wide mouth now her body had changed too and tiny as she was she didn't look at all childish childish i hoped she wouldn't realize how spectacular she was until she was 25 and safely passed letting ruin her we were at the square now a spire of first baptist visible from any point around it here on the far side a park with benches and a fountain shared space with the library the sites were row shops that ran around the corners the knittery Sally's Hair Emporium, Readover's New and Used Books, Cupcake Heaven, Pinky Fingernail Salon, First Baptist, Baptist itself took up most of the fourth side, and the center was all church grounds in the tiny ancient cemetery. Most of the houses on the outer ring were Victorians that had been converted into offices and stores. A few were still residences owned by the remnants and relations of the o- oldest families. That's Bertie's house, I said. as we turned on the last corner but lavender's eyes had caught on the pale blue victorian door two doors closer both of frank darian's teenage boys were sitting glumly on the porch steps frank or jen and must have pulled them home early from camp was there some parental compulsion to move children across straight lines when the marriage was in trouble do people do that often or perhaps they had demanded to come home most of first baptist youth group had been to the fish fry so no doubt you and jeffrey darian had gotten their way of their own slew of over detailed texts and emails i wondered who was in house with them traditionally when marriages blew up in southern small towns the house defaulted to the wife but also traditionally the husbands did the cheating plus frank's law office was on the first floor i was willing to bet john ann was the first to vacate cute lavender said still looking at the boys they both looked back the outlawed boy noticing was new maybe it came in a package the curvy hips she she recently acquired bertie owns owns that white victorian with the wrap around porch see the turret i pointed on the second floor the round room had a day, has a day bed and curved bookshelves i call it the princess room when i was little you can sleep there if you want she glanced at it and said cool but then she looked back over her shoulder at the boys
I felt a twinge of sorrow. The princess room would have excited her last summer's lavender, a secure and curveless twelve-year whose parents loved each other. This summer's girl was thirteen, hormone-soaked and heartbroken. We pulled in into the drive. Miss Watty waited in the cushy porch swing, her feet pushing the boards, slowly rocking. Her hair was too short to sway with her. He stood up and came into the sun. Her little curls looked like molten silver as she made her way downstairs. Bertie was below her in the yard, wearing the big gardening hat. She knelt by one of the beds, planting something, turning dirt with a small trowel. She straightened when Watty lifted one hand and rose carefully to her feet, but she didn't wave. She stared at the rental car, still holding the trowel, her hand full of seeds, her face blank. I'll unload the bags and then come up and meet them, Lavender said. Go say hello. You sure? I said, and she made muscle man arms. I was surprised to see the strange difference in her biceps. I am pretty mighty, she told me, made me smile back. I handed her the keys. As I came to the foot of the porch stairs, Bertie startled, Bertie startled, and her blank eyes finally fixed on me. She blinked rapidly, puzzled, and her and my heart sank. I had come to know how bad it was, and already it was bad. She didn't know me, Bertie. I said. She blinked twice more, confused, and said, "Oh no, I don't think I got the turkey. Bertie, did we get the turkey?" I had to work hard not to cry. It was a good ninety degrees. Bertie was right beside a host of splashy summer zinnias. and recognizing me had dropped kick her into thanksgiving the pig delivered everything we need what he told her coming to hug me but she bent to drop her trowel into the tool bucket she threw her seeds behind her and she landed on the black patch of tilled soil they were bro- small round speckles of an orange not found in nature it looked like birchy had been planting little candies maybe tic tacs i kissed watchy's cheek and then went to hug and kiss my grandmother shutting my stinging eyes holding her a little too tightly i wasn't sure how to begin goodness bertie said breathless you'll squeeze the life right out of me yeah i'm glad to see you too when i finally stepped back what he leaned in towards bertie slay saying something about dinner almost too softly to catch right into her ear bertie acted as if what he wasn't speaking reporting the information as if it were it was her own knowledge we're having cornish game hen sounds wonderful i said my voice sounded so thick my birchy was planting candy and she hadn't known me i still wasn't sure she realized it was june i felt a small bubble of anger rising that things had gone this far without me knowing digby spun like a teeny whirly gag inside me as if reminding me how easy it was not to tell even the things that really mattered even to the ones who loved you most but still but still i couldn't help but saying you should have talked to me i aimed the words at watty but she only looked at birchy so to birchy i said i didn't even know what this is is it alzheimer's or are you i don't have alzheimer's birchy interrupted suddenly present and looking quite affronted i have um, she paused I have the Lewy bodies. I have the Lewy bodies growing in my brain, and it wasn't Alzheimer's at all. Lewy bodies. I echoed. 
what he said it's like parkinson's but lewy bodies are actual growths made out of proteins they aren't malignant but they cause all kinds of trouble also she's at least had two mini strokes that hadn't helped her one bit so that's it it was a bullet of neat information delivered in a matter of fact tone that's really sasin what he thank you i said my anger now sharp enough to cut the grief did she really think three sentences was was all it took i don't know what the hell any of that means what his temper did not rise to mine just calmly she said it means perchy sometimes says soap words on her bad days she gets tired and confused and ordinary real easy now she started saying things out loud in public that might be better said than more quietly and in private and she sees animals that aren't there rabbits but she chimed in these days the whole town is chock full of them all doing what rabbits do she waved an irritating hand at the bottom of the drive i looked and saw no rabbits just lavender the rental car's hatchback was kept open but the luggage was still in it she was down to the curb talking both ways to the both derian boys fantastic i thought Dr Petri has her taking Exelon and Cinemet what he went on the formal medical words sound sounded odd coming from her familiar mouth as awkward as i always sounded when i tried to use my high school french they help her not shake and they help her not fall down he told her to take baby aspirin to keep a bigger stroke from coming there is another drug that could help with the memory and the rabbits uh, such humping but he interjected what you kept what you kept talking was there's a good chance that it would make shaking much much worse so we just have to live with those dirty rabbits don't we i know those rabbits aren't there but you confided real rabbits be, behave better i shook my head you should have told me that she was sick oh honey what he said pitiful and reproachful but his bright eyes were on me alive and clever and thoroughly her own a dry hands patted at me like i was a sad dog or a baby oh honey i'm not sick i'm only dying she said her tone echoing what is then she took my hand and led me up the stairs into the house